from the creators who brought you RuPaul's Drag Race and Million Dollar Listing. This is World of Wonders Wow Report. Things that make us go wow. Well, hello and welcome to this week's edition of the Wow Report, where we count down the top 10 things that made us go wow. wow. Um, I'm Fender Bailey, co-founder of World of Wonder, joined by Tom Campbell, our chief creative officer. Sounds like we're in the army. And James St. James, welcome back, James. We missed you. Did you? I'm so glad to hear it. I'll have to take more time off so that you'll miss me more. All right. On that note, let's get down with the countdown. Number 10. Number 10. I was lazy. I was resistant. I read good reviews. I read bad reviews. I did not watch the Undoing on HBO, the new Nicole Kidman. I didn't watch it until this past weekend where it was the finale. So I decided to watch all six in a row, which was kind of delightful. It's such a good, bad show. I want to complain about it, but it's good, bad, like knots landing or something. It's it's just, it was kind of thrilling and her hair and her coats and I can see James is dying to say something, so go. No, 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 I want, I want to hear your review first and then I, I am going to go off a little bit because those damn coats I just, you know, it's it has twists and turns and twists and turns. I think when you watched it weekly, they really gave you very little. And then it was like a twist at the end, which I love. Keeps you watching. Uh, Nicole Kidman, for whatever reason, is endlessly fascinating. And whatever deal she made with the devil by marrying Tom Cruise has paid off with one hit venture after another. And I have to say, as, as a total kind of... Uh, overview of her career she has many more hits than misses this one definitely felt like uh the lighter version like you know when they used to have a like one hit bands would have a big hit and then they come out with the one that sounded just like it but wasn't quite as good this felt like this was big little lies the follow-up hit that wasn't quite as good but still had a good beat and you could dance to it i kind of enjoyed it before you were teared apart james but Fenton, you watched too right I did. I was going to talk about it today, but, you, but I re- I didn't realize it uh, already bagged it. Um, I I'm sort of I I think I'm four episodes in, and I I was only going to watch one episode, you know, and I just couldn't stop. And it was like two a.m. in the morning. I was like, I have to go to bed. And I have to say, Hugh Grant was is really good. I just I just think he's so fantastic, especially because in this he plays a very suspicious maybe murderous husband. So you have all of his charm and all of that nefariousness underneath. It, it really plays, he plays it well and it, it looks good on him. All right, we still have a couple minutes left. So let's go on to the rebuttal by James St. James. I just want to say that Nicole Kidman, I am so tired of those goddamn floaty dresses and fabulous uh, interior backgrounds that she stands against. If I see Nicole Kidman in one more floaty, fashionable dress in those coats, those I saw a whole article in, in the Atlantic, I think, about, d- d- giving a, a, a laydown of every single one of those coats, I, talking about her makeup routine for the undoing. I am just this tired of Nicole Kidman. Kidman. I really despise her. I I think Grant was fantastic. I think the whole the rich people acting rich and walking around in rich houses with rich clothes. I'm just tired of all of it. And then they have the nerve to the one poor character they kill the first episode. Like what in the earth is that? I just find it all disgusting. And critically, I'll get into this for just a second because I because I watched it alone on a Sunday. 
I I had to read every article written by it, written about it, you know, just as my company. And there was a great article that I read actually before I read it saying the 10 things you shouldn't do if you don't have a lawyer. And it's everything that Nicole Kidman's character did throughout the entire, because she never gets a lawyer and she just keeps spilling stuff. And then there's huge plot holes. Like where was the tuxedo, you know, after he left the studio? Wait, you, you, you can't, you can't, I haven't gotten that far. So I, yeah, I don't know. They won't even mention it. They'll just gloss okay. over it. Where, where, why, where was he going when he said in the first episode he was going to a medical convention in Cleveland? What was his plan? And then there's also there's a big there's something with the helicopter. There's a big chasing with the helicopter where Nicole and someone follow the police helicopter and they they're like on their tail. And someone said like, how did they have a a a, a, a private helicopter? They're that rich, that kind of filthy rich thing. And someone said, no, I think it was a rental. But how do they throw all the information and do the, all that in time to get on the helicopter? So, I mean, if you want to blow holes in this, you can do it all day long. And I still found it incredibly entertaining. I, I, I don't think Nicole Kidman has to act. She just has to show up and look. She just all looks. she has to do is show a little side boob and have her hair blown out. And you got yourself a Nicole Kidman movie. Who's the, who's the rich girl, the prostitute one? Um, with the big mouth. Uh, uh, Julia Roberts. Thank you. I feel Julia Roberts is exactly the same. The big mouth is how you describe (laughs) Julia Roberts after a 30-year career? That's what she's reduced to? (laughs) I'm trying to say they don't have to act. They just just make a a tremor with their mouth. Never acted. Catherine Hepburn never acted. They were all the last word. And that's what makes Nicole Kidman a movie star. Well, you can stream the entire series on HBO Max. Let's go on to number nine, James. Number nine. Um, I am watching David E. Kelly's other big TV show this year, Big Sky on ABC. Um, Mm. David E. Kelly, who is famous for uh, Ally McBeal, of course, and many other TV shows over the years. And he just did, um, you know, The Undoing. Now he's doing Big Sky. Big Sky, set in Montana. Beautiful, beautiful scenery, beautiful cinematography. I'd never wanted to go to Montana before, and I never want to after watching this show because it is all about small town America and the seedy underbelly that it, that happens there. We have a serial killer who um, goes to truck stops and pick up picks up hookers, and yeah. he um, uh, picks up a trans girl on the first in the first episode, kidnaps her puts her in a, in a locked storage unit. Then two girls, two blonde girls are going home to their parents for Thanksgiving or something. And they sort of cut him off as he's driving and he pushes them off and he kidnaps them, which is a big mistake because you don't kidnap blonde girls because they're the ones who have families. And they're instead of picking up hookers, these are like girls, teenage girls that he kidnaps and throws in with the trans girl, right? He's in cahoots with a psychotic state trooper. Okay, and the state trooper and the serial killer are working together to kidnap girls and sell them into sex slavery, which is where we are in the first, second, and third episode. I want to interrupt by saying, you get your. This is what broadcast television has become. Well, David Kelly, what he's attempting to do is bring that big look of HBO onto broadcast television. That's what he says in all of his interviews, and it is. It's beautifully shot, and the storyline is is perverse and weird and creepy, and um, 
the trans girl is played by Jesse James Keitel, who is a, a trans girl in real life, and she's absolutely fantastic. Dee Dee Pfeiffer is in it, Michelle Pfeiffer's sister. His um, sister-in-law. Because he is married to Michelle Pfeiffer in real life. It's very it's very Twin Peaksy, very David Lynchian, the, the feel of it. But my problem with it is we are three episodes in. The girls have escaped once and they've been captured and recaptured and blah, blah, blah. And where do you go in the sixth season? And I know Fenton always hates me when I say that. Because where do you go with the show like this? How can you milk two, three, four seasons out of this one basic plot. I just don't you, know. You move to a new town and start a new operation. I, I guess you're going to have to have a different serial killer every season or something like that. Same, but, keep the same killer. Keep the, Just have him relocate. Yes. Ryan Felipe is also in it. I forgot to mention that, but he's only in the first episode and then he sort of disappears and we can't... He He's maybe... Yeah, something something happens to Ryan. So, yeah. yeah so, so, Big Sky, ABC, three episodes well, in... Will you keep watching? I have to because it really is sufficiently creepy, and I'm I'm sort of um, I'm I'm there. They got you, James, they got you. They got me. David E. Kelly. I got the impression he he was writing everything for a while, and then sort of went quiet, and now he seems to be having a major moment again. I think he is. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. Big Sky on the ABC app, or Tuesdays, 10 p.m. on ABC. Okay, number eight. Number eight. I know we've talked about, well, you know, BTS have this great single out, Dynamite. It's huge. You know, <laughs> BTS song of the year. Number one song from, ever. From being the biggest band on the planet, they've now become the biggest band in the entire universe. And I know we've talked about K-pop before. I love it. And, you know, idly talked about, what are they gay? What You know, because they present so sort of androgynously. And I found myself just noodling around, looking at pictures. And I suddenly saw this, these two kids um, called Tin and Can. Um, and they're just looking at each tin other. Tin Can, in, is that, is that uh, on purpose? I, I don't know. I don't like know. Tin Can? Tin and Can. And they're just looking at each other in this sort of doorway. And I thought, oh my gosh, this must be a K-pop duo who are out and gay. So I started to try and find, I couldn't find anything. And then I had the brilliant idea of doing the Google image search where you drag the image into the Google and then it pops up all the similar images. So I went sleuthing and sleuthing. Long story short, they are the stars of this drama called Love by Chance, which is a Thai drama and it airs on Line TV, which is a digital platform. And basically it's it's this incredible soap opera, but it's, it's and I've subsequently learned all this, it's called BL, a BL TV series, which is a genre of all about students who fall in love with, with each other, written normally, mostly by women and, and normally for women. And so you have these, it's students, they're at a college, they fall in love with each other and it's, it's like full on gay. And it's sort of sweet too, because it's sort of courtly. It's not, um, you know, you can't help but feeling an American version that'd be like fucking in minutes. And, you know, the HBO version would have just be sort of full on and a bit of an assault. It's just really romantic and cute. And it's, I was just like, I'm about, it's about, Love by Chance is like 13 episodes. And it's, um, what, what do you know? You said the genre is BLT? Yeah, B, uh, Thai BL, it's called Thai Boy Love, which sounds, a little, it, it, it's not a pedophile thing. They're all of age, they're all students. Not going there, um, not on this show, no. And apparently it comes from um, jo, uh, 
Japan uh, Yao, which is homoerotic fiction. Um, uh, it's been sort of imported. And this is a recent trend in Thailand. And these things have taken off. And it's like, I thought this was just like one series. But actually, there's dozens of series of these. And they're all centered around the same thing. And what's really interesting is the dialogue is really kind of weird. I thought it was maybe it was like subtitled, but it's slightly, the whole feel of it is all slightly surreal. I really do recommend you check it out and you can watch them on YouTube. But I, I yeah, so there you go. There's, there's Is there an opportunity here to get the rights for WoW Presents Plus and have it dubbed by James St. James and the Queens of Group uh, I love that idea. Well, that I remember, so I don't good. know if you remember when I was in my Japanese soap opera phase, teenage Japanese soap opera phase, and I noticed too that there was a, an odd thing with the dubbing where it all felt very sort of mannered and sort of like, um, like a. I don't even know, but it, but it, it did. It felt mannered and very sort of stiff, but actually like sort of endearing as well. I I, I can't explain it. It I, well, I think that's also what's attractive about it is that I think in America a lot of drama feels the same. It feels, you know, it's that American narrative, and this doesn't have that, and it's so different, and it's genuinely alien. And I think it's really interesting because of that. You're like trying to think out what what. What are they thinking? And it's just so romantic and it's so weird, sweet to see gay guys in love with each other in a happy way. <laughs> like, it's just so bizarre. Anyway, so that's um, Love by Chance with Tin and Can. Actually, their real names are Mean and Plan. That's the name of the actors, Mean and Plan, playing Tin and Can. I love Tin Can is, is a meme. That's right. Really good. All right. We'll take a break. Frock for Life, the new album from the Frock Destroyers, drops December 11th. And Wait, the did leads... we do that? Is that? Did we do the whole album? We did. We did the whole album. And the, <laughs> the, the lead single, Her Majesty, is out now. Um, so you can pre-order the album on iTunes or follow World of Wonder Records on Instagram for more. And get your merch from the WOW store. Don't you think it's a great t-shirt? It is. I love it. I've Do got we a have question. A... All right. Um, what is the top grossing movie of 2020? You'd think it would be easy, but in any other year, it probably would be. But what is it? Hmm. You're listening to The Wow Report on Radio Andy, and we'll have the answer right after the break. You're listening to World of Wonders Wow Report. Things that make us go wow. Welcome back to The Wow Report. I'm Fenton here with Tom and James St. James. We're counting down the top 10 things that made us go wow this week. We, uh, before we carry on with the countdown, however, Blake, you asked us a question. Yeah, what is the top grossing movie worldwide of 2020? Well, I would have said Mulan or Tenet, but probably neither one of those. I think it's something that just came out. The Croods, The Hoods. That... The Croods. I have no idea. Well, it's it's the eight hundred, of course, the the Chinese war drama. Usually, uh, the top movies are U.S. movies. The first two are Chinese movies, and the highest grossing American movie is Bad Boys for Life. What? Yeah. <laughs> what a year! Wait, did Bad Boys for Life come out pre-COVID? Did it come out like in January or February? I think so. Number four is Tenet. Number five is. Sonic the Hedgehog. Yeah, well, there you go. Because the theaters are open in China, right? I guess so, yeah. There, there are several that are Chinese films on here. Demon Slayer, 
Mugen Train. I love Mugen Train. <laughs> this is like another 1939. Just one brilliant movie after another is produced this year. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's carry on with our countdown. We've reached number seven. Number seven. Have you guys seen the Debbie Allen documentary on Netflix? If Could there be a more Tom topic? <laughs> um, I, I loved every minute of it. It's one of the first things that's been produced from Shonda Rhimes, Shondaland, multi-billion dollar deal, which is kind of ironic, which there's a whole article in the Odd Report you can read your own, about how Shonda has taken a little time to get up to speed. Um, but it, it's it's a very... Um, raw, visceral documentary set at her Debbie at, at, at Dada at Dada Debbie Allen Dance Academy. Dada, isn't that great? <laughs> and it reminded me because everything's about me, people. Let's face it. But Debbie, when I worked at Gallon Mori, one of my first jobs in Hollywood, big management company, they managed Dolly Parton, Whoopi Goldberg, you know, on and on. Debbie Allen was a client, and she was newly married to Norm Nixon, the basketball player. They're still together. Their infant daughter, who I'm sure I sent some gift to is now a grown woman and helping her mom. But, you know, and Debbie Allen has had a career. I don't want to say an or not an or not an orthodox career, but she's had a long longevity like no one else. And so it's really about Dada and the dance studio and how it's this, you know, she gets support from Barry Gordy and she gets all this fundraising. So anybody can come. It's a dance academy in LA that isn't, overly precious about the kind of dance and it has lots of people, male and female, more males than most dance academies and lots of people of color. And, you know, it's about the discipline that Debbie and the dancers give them. And the whole arc of the documentary is about them putting on in a previous year, the hot chocolate nutcracker. Cause the nutcracker is such a pivotal point in like ballet, you know, moments. And, and she took it and gave it a narrative and it has hip hop and all kinds of things. So it's much more approachable and, and uh, it's putting that thing together over, over a number of months. You're in the class. One of the fathers started taking pictures of his daughter and then said, Debbie, could I continue taking these? And so it's a very homemade in the best way kind of documentary. And it's filled with these really generous um, um, interviews, mostly with Debbie, but it also highlights her career, which is such an unorthodox one. And, you know, Debbie uh, has done so much. She was obviously hugely famous because of fame on the movie and then fame. She came from Houston. She was, she was talented. She went to, you know, uh, she was discovered and, and was put into a dance program at a university just when she thought she couldn't. Uh, get any further. She went to Howard and, and she was brought in and by this Russian dance woman and she kept in touch with her for years after her success. They'd have tea once a year and the last time she saw her before she died the woman said, well, you know, we had to have you. And she goes, why? She goes, well, because we needed a black dancer. Like she said, you know, there, there was pressure to do quota kind of things and for a minute, and I love her reactions for a minute she thought, oh, does that take away all my accomplishments? She goes, Hell no, because I was good. <laughs> you know, whatever gets you there. And she choreographed the Oscars for year after year, doing, you know, the biggest show on earth. If you're looking for something you don't have to commit hours and hours to, it's one off. If you're, it, I couldn't help but be touched by it. There's also profiles of kids who are accomplishing and going further. It really warms your heart. And Debbie Allen's just one of those, one of those people that have been 
a big part. And, you know, right now she's the executive producer of Grey's Anatomy and has been for like six or seven years and brought great life, new life to that show in its 15th or 16th season, has brought diversity to the set. You know, she's the one that um, had like Ellen Pompeo and some of the leads work four days a week instead of five, just bringing humanity to uh, to, to the workplace. And the last story she told, and I'm like, but it's, you know, she was the executive producer of A Different World after the Cosby Show. Again, all these huge, you know, momentous pop culture things. And Lisa Bonet came to her second season said, I'm pregnant. And I said, we're so afraid to tell Bill Cosby. She goes, let us go together. And so they went. Uh, she made this incredible plea to Bill saying, this is great for America to see an upper class black woman having to have, you know, you're pregnant and go through it. She goes, it'll be great for the show. And Bill listened and he was like to Debbie Allen, we're not going to do that. So he ended up bringing her back onto the show the Cosby show had her married, had a baby with a husband. But uh, I do think that Debbie Allen's always been ahead of her time. And this is a great moment for her. She's 70 years old. She dances in the thing. She's just a remarkable person. And if you have a chance and you want a little uplift this holiday, watch, uh, I think it's called Dance Dreams, the Hot Chocolate Nutcracker. Okay, let's go on to number six, James. Number six. Number six, Stardust, which... Fenton, this I did this especially for you. It is a full-length feature film, a biopic, if you will, about young David Bowie uh, and the months leading up to his transformation into Ziggy Stardust. And it is one of the most god-awful movies one could ever hope to watch, ever. It is the most what-the-fuck movie of the year. It has absolutely... It, it is mind-blowing how awful the actor playing Bowie is. Now, is Nicole Kidman in this? <laughs> no, Nicole Kidman is not, and her floaty dresses are not in this. This is a boy named um, Johnny Flynn, and the actor who plays David Bowie. And it uh, takes place um, in his first trip to America, in which there's a snafu with his visas, and he's not allowed to perform anywhere, which is just as well, because the movie has no rights to any David Bowie song whatsoever. Why anyone would do a David Bowie movie with no David Bowie music is beyond reason. But he's traveling across America doing radio talk shows. And um, uh, like I said, this guy is but ugly and I'm being generous. He has a pair of teeth that they took from the hillbilly elegy set. I think just a pair of buck teeth. He's wearing a horsehair wig. He doesn't look anything like David Bowie. He looks like Camilla Parker Bowles is what he looks like. Okay. He looks like the Duchess of Sussex, not Duchess of Sussex, Duchess of what is she? Cornwall, the Duchess of Cornwall. And did you watch it Fenton? (laughs) I'm afraid I haven't, got to it yet i'm up to my eyes in the undoing Um, well i i did i watched it just because i thought oh it's a david bowie fenton will love this and then the more i watch it jenna malone plays angie bowie everything about it is just awful 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 does it tell you why he becomes ziggy stardust does it sort of is there a genesis story in there well it's he's he's not as famous as he wants to be in is in this part he's had a hit i believe in america as David Bowie. Um, and he's sort of, he, he gets there, he thinks he's going to be given the star treatment and he ends up, he 
says, take me to the hotel. And they take him to somebody's house and he has to sleep in like the basement or something. And that happens to him consistently everywhere he goes in America. And they keep saying, you know, oh, you have a big, you know, gig or you're going to do a talk show interview. And it ends up being like at the Kiwanis Brothers in the basement. Like, so he's he's sort of feeling and he keeps realizing that he needs to reinvent himself. And that's where it comes from. And then he sees like a... a glitter sticker somewhere and puts it on decides to put it on his face and the, the rest is history i am gonna watch stardust on amazon prime voodoo google play or youtube as soon as this show is over <laughs> i cannot wait to get the 2 a.m tweets <laughs> <laughs> all right number five number five songbird i managed to get my hands on a preview link i can't tell you where i got it because they'll get in trouble to songbird which is a movie produced by Michael Bay during the pandemic. In fact, it was the first movie that got back into production post-pandemic. Well, I say post-pandemic, we're right in the middle of it. They started production in, in early July, and they shot this whole film during the, the, the lockdown. Uh, it's set in LA, and it's, it's about uh, COVID-23, which is a yet-to-come mutation of COVID-19, only it's much more deadly. You die a much more horrible death. Um, and so the whole, the whole of America has been on lockdown for four years. And this is a story of a bicycle courier who happens to be immune, trying to rescue his girlfriend who he can't be with and try and get her an immunity bracelet as well. And it's pretty good. I mean, it's pretty good because you got you get these marvelous shots of empty freeways and empty streets. I mean, that was the real, you know, that the the director who wrote the story, Adam Mason, I think him and his writing partner, they had the idea literally the first day of the pandemic in the States, you know, in early March. So they immediately wrote it. And then they got Michael Bay on board, and then they were filming in July while the streets were still empty oh and it's got demi moore demi moore is in it <laughs> isn't that one of the weird things about the pandemic though is that it started off those months where there was nobody on the streets and now the streets are just as congested and crazy as but i don't understand it's it's actually strange and also it, do we really want to revisit uh do we need to do a pandemic movie in the middle of the pandemic it may be a little too soon but i you gotta admire the inventiveness and the the resourcefulness of sort of making things work for you, you know, making limitations work for you. One of my favorite things of the movie is, I mean, actually, I have to say, having watched it, the movie isn't that good. I mean, you go in like, oh, it's so great. But <laughs> one of my favorite things is it's all about bike couriers who are immune running around. And, and what they do with packages and, and deliveries is they have a fridge that is two-sided. So you put it into this fridge with um, ultraviolet light the courier delivers it into the fridge and then the recipient takes it out of the fridge and it's been zzz, disinfected, which I could see as something that might catch on as a thing, the sort of two-way fridge delivery system. You get you follow it instead of a post box. Well, you know, yeah. during the, the bubonic plague, when people were, you know, holed up in their houses for years at a time, they they had what was called a wine, uh, a wine hole. And it was the size of a wine bottle. And people could put the wine. And that's how, you know, they stayed sane was wine deliverers would come and give them wines, which sort of the same thing, except they didn't disinfect it. But that's weird. I tell you, I, the time I met you, James, you were behind a wine hole on your knees. 
Wasn't that a wine hole? I was whining next to a hole. About <laughs> I have to tell you, I've been making free use of BevMo. I've signed up. I've got my account. They deliver it. And they've got a, 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 a promotion on right now. You get one bottle of wine. You get the second one for five cents. <laughs> <laughs> they deliver it to your wine hole. <laughs> so that is Songbird. It's released December 11th and it's going on pay-per-view. So you can watch it for, I think, 1999. So. Do you think that we'll be doing this for four years? God help us. No. Okay. I think the vaccine, I mean, the big news this week, of course, was that the vaccine is going to start being distributed in, in the UK. And so I, I suddenly felt today a little little flutter of hope. Um, the 2020 Wowie Awards, hosted by Vanessa Vanji Mateo and Heidi in Closet, with feature performances by Jada Essence Hall, Shia Goulet, Priyanka, and Envy Peru, are streaming right after this show at noon on Friday, December 4th on our YouTube channel, WoW Presents. And then and subsequently it go over to WoW Presents Plus, so. That's hot. And you'll want to watch hot. it. You'll want to watch it for the debut of the Frock Destroyer's new single, Her Majesty. Yes. You call me Her Majesty. Okay. Did you write it, Tom? I did not, but Brett and Freddie did. Leland. It's very catchy. Right there. Um, well, here's our question. What celebrity who celebrates a birthday today informed the public in 2019 they'd be changing their moniker to Banks, stylized as capital B A N capital X? Huh, okay. You're listening to the Wow Report on Radio Andy, and we'll have the answer right after the break. You're listening to World of Wonders Wow Report things that make us go wow. Welcome back to the Wow Report. I'm Fedson here with Tom and Jameson James and Blake. You had a question for us. Yes. What celebrity who celebrates a birthday today informed the public in 2019 they'd be changing their moniker to Banks, stylized as capital B, A N, capital X? I'm going to say it was Tyra Banks. That's right. Really? But she hasn't followed up on that, has she? I guess not. She told Sports Illustrated in May. 2019 when she was on the cover for the third time the new name symbolizes xing out cookie cutter beauty mononyms are exciting in the industry but usually models use their first names like in mine i want to flip the script and go by my last name i tried to change my name to saint james and nobody paid attention on this show well you were trying you tried to be hamas didn't you I, yeah <laughs> jamas yes jamas and jamas <laughs> I like saying James St. James. Feels like we've got someone classy in the house. <laughs> All right, let's carry on with our countdown of the things that made us go wow this week. Ooh, number four. Number four. I want to talk about something that made a big splash this week and I thought was handled so well by all parties, including the press, which is rare. And that is the coming out of Elliot Page. Uh, as a transgender. And of course, the actor we know and love from Juno and Umbrella Academy made a beautiful and heartfelt uh, uh, sort of coming out. Uh, the media from USA Today to Barat, everybody who covered it, covered it so respectfully, did not dead name that person. The pronouns for Elliot are he and they. We can all mix it up and make a mistake. It's not because we don't have respect, but you know, in print and everything, everyone was so careful. And 
you know, I always say, because uh, the first transgender project that I worked on was at World of Wonder many years ago, like 15 years ago. And it just, for a minute, because it's like, we're all you know, LGBTQIA, we're all together as a force, but we're all different. And I kept thinking, geez, you know, it was just American love story. We have the Calpurnia Adams, which is a beautiful, no gimmicks, just lovely, fun farce, love romantic farce. And Calpurnia and Andrea James was in it too. And Alec Bapa hosted with some wonderful men. Um, and it was, you know, it's just, you know, human nature. It's like, wait a minute, what is this and how? And it was just like, oh, I don't need to know. It's outside my experience. I just need to know that this is how they feel. This is what they believe and what they believe and feel does not impact me in any negative way. You know what I'm saying? It doesn't take away any of my rights, any of my place or space or breath in this world. And so and I thought, wow, that's what straight people have to do about gay people. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like this outside of their experience to an extent. And we have to all just rise above and not be tribal and push each other away, but be accepting and how liberating. And it takes a minute, but it, you can do it. And it also made, at the same time, it made me sad, not sad, but empathetic and sympathetic for Elliot that, that he had to come out twice. Because coming out as, as, you know, we're old fogies, but as I, I think coming out is such a vulnerable thing to do, no matter, because you're like, by the way, there's more information about me you didn't know. So now you can reassess or rejudge or make jokes, you know, all these things. And to have to do that twice and being such a public person all the more credit to Elliot and and to everyone in the media who is, is is has treated it and will hopefully continue to treat it. And you know, listen, there's long uh, nothing. The, the struggle is far from over. But how great to have such an uplifting uh, announcement and the way it's handled and accepted in James. I do think that every time uh, we go through this with a celebrity, it gets a little bit easier for everybody because this is something that isn't quite as strange and isn't quite as weird or frightening as it was perhaps when Caitlin came out, uh, you know, five years ago or six years ago. Um, I also wanted to point out that um, uh, Elliot will continue to play the role of Vanya on the Umbrella Academy, and there is no plans to address it or or um, that he will just continue to play a cisgendered woman because that's what actors do and there's no reason why he can't do that so so just gorgeous we love elliot and and god bless marvelous all right let's go on number three number three okay we need to talk about these goddamn monoliths they keep popping up all over the place news of the weird last week in the Utah desert, out of the blue, a helicopter with the Utah State Police was driving over, and they saw a giant metallic structure in the desert in, in, in beside these mountains. And they went to investigate, and it wasn't just plopped there. It was, like, embedded into the ground. And if – now, was it an art world hoax like Banksy? Is it a, a um, 2001 Space Odyssey superfan? Is it aliens? Now, if you remember in 2000 Space, in 2001 Space Odyssey, uh, at the dawn of civilization, a giant shrieking monolith appeared out of nowhere, and it's what gave the humanoid apes knowledge and edged forward uh, evolution. 
and later it came back again and it's what made computers sentient and gave them self-awareness and that's how the computers ended up destroying humanity and now people are saying that because of 5g technology the QAnon people are saying that the aliens have come to give the, the, the 5G technology sentience to take over the world. Well, just as quickly as it appeared, it disappeared, which is very strange. And then over the weekend, another one appeared on a hilltop in Romania. I know why hilltop in Romania. There's no weird, such a weird significance. Now, did you see the latest news on the WOW report, actually? That the monolith uh, revealing who took the monolith. Well, that it was a couple of TikTokers. I saw that, but yeah. it wasn't quite as interesting, so I left it out of the story. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we can move on. I just wanted to, to give that to put that out there. I, I I want to say more, but I don't know what to say. <laughs> I think everybody needs to rewatch 2001: Space Oddity to see what the hell I'm talking about. Such a great film. Such a great film. Okay, number two. Number two. Dua Lipa Studio 2054. This was uh, Dua Lipa's first live stream concert. The, the, the live stream concert has become a bit of a thing, right? There was the uh, Dania Minogue one. Was it da- Kylie Minogue? I'm sorry, Kylie Minogue. And there was the um, Billie Eilish one. And of course, and every this- drag queen we've ever met is doing them every single night. Right, right. But it was it, it was really interesting because this was decidedly I had done to, you know this is one of the sort of most hyped things in a, in a long time. I kept on seeing announcements for it. And now Miley Cyrus was joining and and Twigs FKA Twigs and it, it, it just a long build up. And I was rather excited by it. I thought you know the person who recorded Future Nostalgia and now this is Studio Twenty Fifty Four. I was expecting something other than what it was, which basically was shot in a warehouse um, and she goes from room to room and it's really low tech. It's really analog. It's really like a top of the pops appearance in the 80s. Or, and, and she's got a bunch of dancers and it, I felt a bit anxious because I felt a bit like, oh God, I hope they've all been tested. It felt a bit, a bit sweaty like old nightclubs were, a bit COVID-y. Um, but it was just so sort of analog and handmade. Did you, did either of you see any of it? I did not. I, part of me judges it, and I'm sure I'm way off, but by calling it 2054, it kind of makes you think that 1954 was when Studio 54 was big, which of course isn't true, but that's just me being weird. I, I watched it, and I, my only complaint is that there weren't any old songs from her first album that she performed. But it was called Studio 2054, so I guess it was all about this album. And, and Kylie Minogue is in it and Miley Cyrus. And the, there was a really weird bit where sort of halfway through, they all stop and look at a screen and Elton John pops up and sings the most bizarre version of Rocket Man I've ever heard. Oh. It was so Vegasy and sort of fruity and sort of just it's sort of a par- Elton John doing a parody of Elton John. And then it just sort of cut off and we just carried on with the show. And there was no, I was like, what was that all about? I must have blacked that out. I was a little in the cups that night. So your wine hole was busy. (laughs) Yeah. Some hole was. I don't know. I sort of like low rent things right now. I think it feels very 2020. Yes, exactly. James, this was very low rent. Yeah. And I am shocked 
what I am willing to go out of the house wearing. I went to a doctor, a dentist appointment. I'm like, sweats and a t-shirt and clogs. Like everyone's just like in the pajamas walking around the streets. I love it. I have not taken off my Superman pajamas in three days. I've worn these since March. <laughs> We're shameless. It is true, actually. My the, the amount of laundry I do is just, you know, I'll wear the same clothes for a week. Yeah. I hadn't done laundry in two months. Oh, I shouldn't be saying these things. We need to move on. <laughs> All right. Mark your calendars because our special homeschool musical, The Class of 2020, is premiering on HBO Max on December 17th. Tom, tell us about it. It's, uh, you know, Laura Benanti, Broadway, Tony winner, now best friend of WOW, did uh, Sunshine Songs uh, at, right at the beginning of the epidemic where all these high school seniors and students weren't able to do their musicals. And she goes, I'm sorry you can't perform because they were canceled. Sing them for me. Hashtag Sunshine Songs and I'll listen. And based on that, there was a movement and we're able to do this incredible special, which we'll talk about in full uh, for another show. But this incredible homeschool musical, kids across the country, uh, singing and performing at home uh, for the world to see. Talk about uplifting and and giving you a great sort of holiday glow at the end of a dark year. And there's some future stars there too. I find really talented, charismatic, and hot. Yeah. Um, all right, let's take a quick break. And when we come back, the number one thing this week that made us go, wow. You're listening to World of Wonders Wow Report. Things that make us go wow. Welcome back to the Wow Report. I'm Benton here with Tom and James St. James, and we've reached, yes. Oh, you're waving. I see for those of you watching, <laughs> I thought you wanted to speak. We have reached the number one thing this week that made us go, wow. wow. James, what is you know, it? Number one. Uh, some bizarre news out of Hollywood this week where we learned that the Oscars will be in person this year. COVID be damned. They said, um, I, I know it seems like a recipe for a health and PR disaster, but they said that everybody uh, need to ditch their Zoom pajamas and get dressed up again. They were going back to the Dolby Theater and um, the Oscars will be in person. The telecast will happen, said a representative for ABC and the Academy. Are we now the Academy will have to suss out details for the live show while maintaining safety protocols, including how many guests will be allowed inside the theater. Um, and uh, they've done a walkthrough to see about the ventilation and everything. But I mean, what, who do you think is going to be best actor between Will Smith and Martin Lawrence for Bad Boys 3? <laughs> right? Well, I mean, what could go wrong, though? You have skyrocketing coronavirus cases. You have a super spreader event inside a closed space. You have entitled celebrities flaunting lockdown rules. I mean, I just say a pox on any celebrity who dares to go. I hope your career ends. I find this a whole PR disaster waiting to happen. And I guarantee that they will decide not to do this in a week or so when the outrage happens. What about the vaccination? What if everybody's vaccinated? Well, imagine this scenario where the vaccination comes out in March and the celebrities are among the first to get it. You bypass old people and essential workers and you give it to a bunch of entitled Beverly Hills snots and tell them that now they can go to a party. The outrage, I think every single one of them, their career has ended. What if part of winning is you get a free uh, flu, you get a free vaccination shot and they own, and the oldest person wins. So it's like the winner is every 
Dame Judy Dench, come on down. I don't. I just find. I just find this a horrible PR disaster waiting to happen. I. Why? What do you guys think? Why can't they do it virtually like everyone else has done? Well, they just wear. Just wear their beautiful gowns and take photos. You know, Sundance is doing it virtually, um, uh, but I think Golden Globes is not doing it virtually. I hate to agree with James. <laughs> but I think the Academy, time after time, makes bizarre kind of quick re- decisions that always prove to be kind of stupid. And I kind of get behind the notion of like the fatigue, let's bring glamour back. But not that way. There's still something. I still am very uh, touchy about seeing any celebrity enjoying anything, on, you know, too grand. Because it's just like, well, we can afford to all be tested. It's like, yeah, but there are people stuck in their home. Imagine so, all the people. I hate to say it. Not we're the only ones. But we did a pretty glamorous at-home finale for Drag Race with a very limited budget. With gowns and changes and lip sync. So I think they could absolutely do something out of people's backyards and homes. And that would be probably, you know, the thing is, this is a one, hopefully, pray God, this is a once in a lifetime event. So, you know, the, these circumstances, so adapt them and make this year's Oscars special because of it. And don't just be like, yeah, we're back at it. Um, Embrace it. When, when tw- COVID-24 hits. <laughs> yeah, I have a feeling we're, we're going to be sitting here four years from now. <laughs> so, and what made you go wow this week, James? And James <laughs> <in> his apartment. <laughs> well, that's all we've got time for this week. Thanks for tuning in to the Wow Report on Radio Andy Series XM. You can catch previous episodes on our YouTube channel, Wow Presents. And God willing, we'll see you same time, same place next week. Until then, stay safe, wear a mask, and do something that makes the world go wow. Wow.